When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. February of 2016, I can't believe it. You're listening to the sounds. Well, actually, you're going to be hearing Bloody Mary by the uh, famous monsters, Shawnee Salt, her um, surf rock um, gig that she did in the early 2000s. And she has a new thing happening right now. Uh, she talked about it on the show here. You can go back a few episodes, look up the Shawnee Salt episode. It was a great one. Uh, one of my idols. But her new band, Rock City Morgue, you can look that up. You can listen to, I think all their songs are on there. You just look, look up Rock City Morgue, it all came up for me. Um, but she also is involved, and she talked about a little bit, is her website, usultdesigns.com. Her last name, Y-S-E-U-L-T. A little tricky, but not really if you're a fan. Usultdesigns.com, kind of neat, but she's a busy girl. And... Um, so if you're listening to Famous Monsters right now, this is the song here in the background you hear. But Bloody Mary coming up later. But right now, we're going to get into this with my new friend, Paul Nanzik, um, producer, writer. I said director. He didn't He didn't really tell me he wasn't directing. But um, he's a very hands-on guy. So I don't doubt that he's also directing this web series called Forever Young, starring Ruthie Stapleton, who you will fall in love with immediately. And uh, he's trying to get, I think they're having some luck in distributors for a major streaming. And it's worth it. It's funny. It's a comedy horror web series about a gothic vampire, Victoria. And uh, the first episode, I believe, is up. And uh, it's not, it was, I, I got to see a rough cut and then I got to see a, a better cut of it with added music and footage. And it's just fun. What a good time. And now you're about to meet my friend Paul Nedzik. Mr. Nadzik, are you there? He's calling in right now, folks. We have a newcomer to Kettle Whistle Radio, Mr. Paul Nanzig or Nanzik. Yeah, we just had this conversation. He's been called many things. How do you like to pronounce your name? Nanzik. Nanzik. Okay. Yeah. Thank All you. right. Absolutely. Uh, now, writer, director, you're a man of many titles here. Uh, we were up late last night discussing this. Uh, how do you like to refer to yourself? You know, my, my primary background is as a writer. 
um, I got my degree in English and, uh, you know, I used to write for a newspaper and a magazine and, um, you know, that, that more traditional, uh, line of writing. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, if I had to choose just one title, it'd probably be writer, but, uh, I think I've, I've started to make a name for myself as a producer, uh, and I owe that in large part, kind of ironically, well, God or at least unexpectedly you. to, um, working as an, an administrative assistant. That's a production, man. I, I've seen what goes into that, and I do not envy you. Um, <laughs> now, how we met? It, it, we referred you referred by a friend, mm-hmm. and we're, we're talking forever young. Yes. All right. Well, if you want to give them a real quick synopsis, uh, I'll get into the the other deets here. Um, uh, but first of all, now you are a Pittsburgh transplant. Where, where did you come? I am too. I'm from Long Island originally. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm from central New York. So I'm, um, if you're familiar with Utica or Syracuse, yeah. that oh, general area. Absolutely. Had a great time in Syracuse not too long ago, actually. My buddy Jeff Meyer, uh, runs the, uh, there's a great theater there. And, um, they had this, uh, uh, Friday the 13th weekend, which was really cool. And I got to go out there and bring my books and wares and such. And we had, I had a really good time with my friend Salon Singares. Uh, do you know the theater I'm talking about? Um, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it and Jeff's going to kill me. <laughs> it was downtown, across from a great bookstore, and just a great place for horror, really. No, I don't know that one. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, God, he's going to kill me. That means I'll have to bring him back on. Anyway, <laughs> back to you. Now, Forever uh-huh. Young, let's let's hear the synopsis on this. This is a web series? So it's – when I first wrote it, I thought, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a web series, and then it'll catch on, and then we'll, you know, we'll take it to the next level from there. Um, but pretty, pretty early on, I realized – you know, why, why go through the middleman? Why not just shoot straight for the stars? If mm-hmm. I hit the roof, then, you know, that's something. Um, so basically we're, we're going to try to, uh, pitch this as a, uh, a series like a Netflix original mm-hmm. or, uh, barring that, you know, pick it up on a network. All right. And the, uh, synopsis now, you, you do refer to Buffy a little bit in when you sent me the package there where mm-hmm. i see it's kind of just the opposite it's it's actually i don't know for me a lot cooler um but how do you how do you feel this this show differs from buffy the vampire slayer because i i, I can see it i think it's a lot funnier and i only saw one episode so it's it's a lot more satirical than buffy was I and mean, buffy uh, buffy and forever young both have uh social commentary to make and i think that that's an important element in any story even if it's just a small sliver of it. Um, with, with Buffy, that was more, the social commentary came first and then the satire came after that. Mm-hmm. I, I, the way that I structured it, it's the opposite with Forever Young. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's also from kind of the opposite perspective where, you know, in Buffy, you're following Buffy, who is a vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Forever Young, you're following Victoria DeBoard, who is a vampire. I love her. She is fantastic. <laughs> you fall in love with her within, I don't know, the first five seconds. Um, she's, she's great. Um, and yeah, I, I already like her better than Buffy. Uh, and her, her keeper's name there, her, uh, her, her buddy, uh, what's his name? Oh, geez. So he actually, he doesn't have a name proper just yet. Okay. Right now he's, he's just ghoul servant because he's, he's <laughs> under her. He's hilarious. <laughs> Where'd you find these two people? So, uh, so Victoria's played by Ruthie Stapleton, who's amazing. And, um, I, I was introduced to her through, um, David Ogrodowski, who's playing, uh, Ghoul's Servant. 
So we just, I, I throw parties every once in a while and, uh, thought, Hey, you know, this would be a good opportunity to meet someone who David recommended. Mm-hmm. So I invited her over and, you know, we got to talking and yeah, you know, one thing led to another and eventually she landed in the role. And she's perfect. I mean, she's that, that crazy goth girl that we all fell in love with, um, <laughs> and shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's definitely trouble. Yeah. Oh, I like it though, but I, I, I think it's hysterical that she's intimidated. I, I should let you tell a story, but she's intimidated by going back to high school of all things. She's already conquered the world, but <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even say it without laughing. I mean, I, I watched this. It was late last night. You had some kind of meeting going on. It was like two in the morning. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta watch this. And you said it was a rough cut, like you said. Yeah. Um, and it's still, you know, I kept me, uh, kept me watching. I'm like, I really gotta go to bed. I really got, oh, I can't stop watching. <laughs> this is funny. But, Thank yeah, you. Give it, give, yeah. them a, give them a little bit of synopsis on the show, you know, wh- what you're going for. Sure, sure. So uh, the concept of the show came along because um, I had some some people once upon a time who were very, very into vampires. And I like vampires. I like Supernatural. But, you know, I, I can only take so much of it. Um, and in particular, they showed me a show where, like, it was just another another one of those tropes where, you know, ancient vampire enrolls in high school. I'm just like, Why? Why? And it really bothered me throughout the whole thing. Um, and I had to put some sort of logic to it. And the only thing I could come up with reasonably was, you know, the vampire was so old they'd never been to high school. So it was a novelty <laughs> to them. Yeah, a new intimidation factor. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, what I think is really interesting is uh, kids are kids are cruel, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a, a known thing. Uh, and part of that cruelty is because they're separate from the world in a way, right? Like you can have a four-year-old meet the president and can be like, Oh, you smell like farts. <laughs> and you know, they don't know any better. They're just saying whatever. Cause they don't see status. They don't care nope. unless you're mom or dad. Maybe they have no filter. Exactly. So, so my idea was that, well, you know, if, if she's going back to high school, uh, high schoolers kind of are pretty irreverent. So yeah, I could see, I could see that being a whole new battleground for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, the, actually, the whole cast is pretty cool. Now, I want to ask you too. Um, as far as um, her 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 last name, um, mm-hmm. is that is that symbolic? It is actually. Um, yeah. So I, I was doing a little bit of research, and um, I, I like to have all my names have meaning as much as possible. I agree. Um, so for her first name, Victoria, you know, it's kind of a uh, an idiom of Victor, or it's a variation of it, mm-hmm. because she's victorious. Um, and then Debord is uh, French for the first. Oh, okay. And I was kind of playing around with that a little bit, how how I wanted to take that. And I'm kind of okay with it being ambiguous and having multiple potential meanings anyway. So I won't settle on just one for the time being anyway. Um, but in Buffy, you know, there was the first, who is you know, this great evil. Um, in the original Bram Stoker Dracula, there, I believe one of his concubines, who's never actually stated as a concubine for the record, mm-hmm. um, was referred to as the first. So it'd be interesting if she used to be associated with Dracula. Um, I also thought it would be interesting if she created Dracula. Like she's, she's actually the first vampire. Why not? Right? I mean, really, yeah. I mean, it's a, 
at the time of, uh, I'm not sure if, if Dracula is actually supposed to be the first or not, but it's certainly he's supposed to be one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful. Right. But, yeah, I read yeah. that book. Oh, God, it's one of my favorite books. And uh, I, when I wrote my first one, I did it in the same journal. Um, well, the idea of just a collection of journals, because I thought it was <clears> such a neat idea to put the puzzle together type of thing. But, yeah, I, I when I, I, I wrote something when I was in the 90s, still like, a, well, in my 20s, um, I came up with the idea of, well, why, why, why not have Dracula not be the first one? There were several prior, and Rice played with that world, you know, why can't I? And some dude came up to me, like, after he raised, like, you have to know that Dracula was the first, you can't, like, recreate that. I'm, I'm like, you're that limited? Really? Yeah, it was so annoying to me, and that's what made me keep wanna, wanting to follow that topic. But yeah, I'm sure you've met many, um, well, Adversities when you're writing things and people come up to you and criticize what you're doing. They, yeah, it, you can't. You certainly can't please everybody. No, um, no. For for my part, as as a writer, I do my best to just kind of be well researched and be well educated on on the subject matter as much as possible. Um, but yeah, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it does. Um, how many episodes do you think they're going to be? And, um, you said it's going to be mostly streaming, but how many episodes do you think they're, you said, I think you mentioned, did you say five to me originally or? So I've got five outlined right now. Um, just because I'm, uh, I'm the post-production supervisor. So I'm in the mix with the editing and uh, some of the other logistics behind the scenes. Uh, so I haven't been able to focus on it quite as much as I would have liked, but I've got, I've got about five episodes outlined. Okay. Um, and a ton of notes. And I'm, I'm thinking for the first season I'd like to do 12 episodes total. It's a good number. Yeah. These days. Uh, that's a Netflix number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, that's what we're aiming for a little bit. So now where does Victoria come from? Is this somebody that you knew in a past life? As far as the character? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit myself uh, in the sense that I've been – I've been described multiple times as being overly ambitious, which is kind of a strange thing. Um, and actually, even on set, uh, some of the people who I've worked with before um, came up to me and said, you know, Paul, you're you're ambitious, but for you, even, this is ambitious. So I have a reputation for that. But, uh, yeah, it, I thought it was interesting to have, have a character. I just kind of – so I – Sorry, I'm stumbling around a little bit. That's all right. The, it's early, and we were up late. We were. <laughs> Always happens here. So I, I like I like history, and I think I think it's fascinating to see some some of the personalities. So kind of around that time period, I was watching uh, a couple different documentaries and sh- you know shows dealing with history, and um, the idea just kind of occurred to me that like you know what. There's like when I was growing up, I was pretty much told that, you know, either have brains or you have brawn. Like you can't have both. Mm. But then some people have neither and some people do have both. Right. So um, just kind of exploring that makes a little bit Uh, the I don't remember the guy's name, um, but he was a I saw a special on a Nazi uh, physician, a mad scientist kind of guy. And he did all these, you know, horrible, not, horrible not Mangalore. things. Mangalore, Mangalore, Doctor Mangalore. Maybe, maybe it was on the um, uh, Nazi Headhunters show. I okay, think okay. something like that. It was on Netflix. But um, 
but yeah, just, just to see that he was so, so intelligent. I mean, perverse and, and cruel and sadistic, but still intelligent. Um, and also like he was a huge fan of hockey and he was very physical. Um, and one, like one of my favorite authors, uh, Robert E. Howard, you know, he was a boxer, but he was also an intellectual and a writer and very much self-made in, in both respects. Mm. So it's just kind of interesting to, to see that dynamic and how, how that dynamic plays out. Yeah, the dichotomy of the human being. You could love him and hate him at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, it is very frightening to think. Well, yeah, that's how, Victoria's evil, but here we are falling in love with her while we're watching the thing. You know, so that's, yeah, you've accomplished it already. Let's see where it goes. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, gotta pay the bills, and we're gonna get right back with Paul Nanz, Nandzig. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Not my fault, you said everybody does that. <laughs> Alright, we'll be right back, folks. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke cleared from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare... Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Still here? Okay. Let's play a game.
Folks, friends and teens, we are back with writer Paul Nanzig. Nanzig. <laughs> I just like saying your name. I'm sorry. Uh, but, yeah, we're back and we're talking Forever Young. And, um, yes, uh, uh, Victoria the Vampire goes back to high school because she wants to conquer the one thing she didn't conquer. Um, i got to ask you, Paul, uh, did you have a bad high school experience? I did. I did. <laughs> um, I mean, I did and I didn't. It was weird. Uh, it was, it was intense. There were, there were intense good times and there were intense bad times. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly drawing on some of, uh, high school experience. Um, there's other parts like folks can see in the trailer and then they'll, they'll see it and then more in the, the episode itself, like slapping things out of people's hands. It's just something that I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just on its own. Well, high school, it's a horrific experience, and we seldom recover from it. Is Victoria going to recover from this, or she can become a worse a worse vampire? So she – let me. Uh, this may or may not answer your question. Let me know. But mm-hmm. um, she's certainly not going to be looking to discover her humanity or anything like that. She's not okay. looking for redemption. Okay. She's She's mostly looking to entertain herself. So she's not really in a rush to conquer high school per se, because she doesn't know, she doesn't know what else is, like once she does conquer it, what else is left. Uh, so she's gonna, she's gonna milk it for all it's worth. Um, but yeah, like she's, she's going to remain the lovable villain. Okay. And oh boy, we got a little dose of her powers there. Uh, she took somebody out, well sort of. I won't say who or what or, well, definitely won't say how, but it was definitely one of the more horrific, uh, scenes I've seen in a long time. <laughs> literally, yeah. literally took him out. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot going on in that scene. Oh, um, yeah. and it was, it was really interesting to, to, to shoot it. Um, so you, and what you, you're getting in the rough cut, there's no visual effects in there. Okay. Um, and it's a visual effects heavy scene. Uh, but we had to shoot uh, Ruthie and David separately mm-hmm. on green screen. And uh, and then we also had to figure out the their choreography so they're not going over each other. Okay. And then that the all the CGI, oh, they're not going to be CGI. I'm sorry. Uh, stop motion monsters around them um, aren't going to be overly distracting or obscuring and things like that. So it was, it was a really interesting, uh, experience to set up, but yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. I, I can only imagine what I saw was quite, I mean, I, I got the gist of it. We'll just say that. Um, so now what do you want people to get from, get out of forever young? You want them to just have a good laugh or are you, are you going to be giving them some morals here or when they walk away, what do you want them talking about? I definitely want, them to to have a good laugh, have a good time. Uh, that's that's why we tell stories and we make movies uh, and things like that. You know, we want to entertain people because if you're not entertained, you're not engaged, and if you're not engaged, then nothing else matters. True. Um, what I found in in my other business venture, uh, I have a line of uh, goofy grammar T-shirts, very silly. Um, but even if they usually sell well, and if they don't, I'm still okay with it because at least people got a laugh out of it. Um, but they're also educational. So in a similar vein, Forever Young, I'd like it to also be, I don't want to say educational per se, because I think that's 
um, way too pompous mm-hmm. for, for what I'm going for. But there are certain things that I do want to put out there and I do want people to think about. Um, for instance, it's made pretty clear that Victoria is well-educated, um, both in traditional and occult matters and whatever else you can imagine. And she, she's, um, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. But she's, in spite of her, her education, her knowledge, she goes to school, to high school and has a problem because she's not, she doesn't feel like she's being treated like she has any value. So the, the way that the education system works, and this is probably not the best, um, uh, explanation of it, but the way that the, the, with the, the advent of standardized testing and things like that, it's not necessarily challenging people because it's not about education. It's about a quota hmm. and, and an arbitrary standard. Yeah, I've witnessed so, uh, for, it. I've, I've for, bared witness to that. Right. And I mean, in my personal experience, I was, um, kind of at best a C student in school, but I, I've gone on, I've taught myself and I've learned by studying other people, um, a whole wealth of, uh, skills and information and things like that. So I, I think that, you know, just because you get an A doesn't mean you're smart and just because you get a D doesn't mean you're dumb. So I, I'd like people to, to think about that sort of stuff, um, and certainly there's, you know, a whole social hierarchy to be dissected in, in any high school, um, setting. Absolutely. Is there ever? That's where, that's the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> the workplace just continues that mm-hmm. over and over. Um, now, Victoria is out during the day. I have no problem with that. You know, the whole vampire lore, you know, is it because she has conquered Venus, Mars, and everything else, and she's just bored, but is she that powerful that she can be out during the day? Right, so that's that's a good question, um, and the lack of visual effects is part of what what the problem is there. The um, in the scene where she steps outside, you may have noticed that she kind of looks at her shoulder. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So she actually she catches flame for a minute. It's going to be a CGI flame. Oh cool. She blows. So it you out. do touch on that. That's good. Mm-hmm. And she the the she wears a pair of rings, one on each hand, and they're. Uh, the attention to detail is probably extraneous, <laughs> but um, one of the rings, uh, the, both rings have uh, two stones in them each, uh, a moonstone and a sunstone. Uh, on one hand, the, the moonstone is bigger, and on the other hand, the sunstone is bigger. Hmm. But basically, because she went and she conquered, um, just a little bit of backstory that isn't overtly addressed hmm. uh, in the, the episode, but basically she when she goes to the moon, uh, to conquer it, she acquires these materials and is able to construct basically like a force field generator that filters out the, the harmful rays of the sun. That's a cool idea. That's a cool. Good explanation too. Uh, cause I mean, a lot of times it just isn't explained and, you know, people kind of like lose interest. Like, wait a second. Um, uh, you know, and I'm talking about people that, you know, just believe that Dracula was the only vampire. Like there's all these rules you got to abide by and they never adapt to anything else. Meanwhile, Anne Rice, like I said, played with every possibility. And what I didn't like about Anne Rice, and I read a lot, almost all the vampire uh, books, is that she, she, her vampires don't have sex. They don't enjoy the finer things of life. Um, it seems like Victoria is going to relish in those things. Yeah, yeah. I I always thought it was interesting um, that the undead should not have, and, and 
some would say gods do, depending on stories and interpretations. Um, but at least the undead don't, they lose their ability to, to taste and feel pleasure. And, you know, they're just kind of a thing that goes around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Victoria, the way that she works, it's more like, more like Sherlock Holmes, actually, okay. where, you know, when she doesn't have a challenge going on, she's just in, in the throes of melancholy. And when she does have a challenge, she's just super focused and uh, <laughs> on board and just loving every moment of it, yeah, whether it's, you know, harming her or not. Definitely see that in Miss Stapleton's eyes there when they just like widen. <laughs> it's amazing. And she's a really good actress. Um, I, because it's Kettle Whistle Radio, we talk music. What kind of music are you going to be playing uh, in the background or anything in the soundtrack? Yeah. So musically, I'm... That's one of my, my weaker skill sets, actually. It's something I've been working on um, the past year and a half or so. But um, I know I know we're going to do uh, like a goofy kind of elevator-ish music in um, in the S-Mart scene. Which, you know, S-Mart, it's a throwback to uh, or homage to uh, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, and I mean, especially you know, the juxtaposition with everything that's going on in that scene that's zany and wacky anyway. Uh, I think that'll just kind of be the clincher for it. Um, otherwise, I think we're going to go for more uh, atmospheric, moody music for you know, court, kind of uh, orchestral for the scenes where we're in um, Victoria's throne room. Oh, yes. I, I like that set you got going on there, too. It's pretty Thank cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it reminded me. Oh God, I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, uh, Doctor Faust. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's another movie where it, re- it just re- totally reminded me of something I saw in the '80s, and I loved it. It was like a really cool throwback to a creepy. Uh, I can't think of it now. I'll, I'll email you when I do. Okay. But yeah, it's good stuff, and I, I enjoy. I enjoyed those scenes. Actually, they, I think they made me laugh the most. Um, <laughs> let's just talk about uh, the. <laughs> let's not talk about the Kleenex and the. Uh, and the hand lotion. And the lotion. Yeah, yeah. When he gets up from his, her throne, like, oh boy. Okay. Well, she was she was a little late to that party, apparently. Um, but going, are you going to be going back into um, Victoria's history again to see where this angst comes from? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I, I plan on um, one of the things I did with kind of a, a side note. One of the things I did with uh, the pilot, anyway, that. I may or may not continue with additional episodes. Is I tried to throw in as many testicle jokes as I could. <laughs> yeah, kind of went along with the theme. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying not to give away that scene. I really am. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a little bit of a spoiler. But yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. There's something. I mean, it's completely juvenile. But uh, but I feel like you know, poop and fart jokes uh, and dick jokes and all that sort of stuff. That's just been around since the dawn of time, dawn of humanity. Well, I got to tell you, you remind me of somebody I had on not too long ago. I was very proud to have on. Are you familiar with the director, George Lynch? George Lynch. Joe Lynch. George Lynch plays guitar. Joe Lynch, uh, Chillerama. Uh-huh. Do you remember that one? I, I, man, just scraps. Just it, scraps. It's a great revisit. He's, he's breaking through right now with a movie called Everly. Um, with Salma Hayek in it. Uh, I, I definitely recommend you watching that one. But Chillerama, um, just hearing you talk, you guys are like kindred spirits, a, a very similar thing going on. You, you almost sound the same, and he also was from New York. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very interesting stuff. So I, I, I think uh, that's something you should. I would love to introduce you guys, although maybe you both just disappear. I don't know. But um, so, all right. So when you get into your, what's the second episode going to be like after that first one? Where, where are you going with that? Into the history or moving forward? Moving forward. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I don't want to go too backwards too early, if you will. You know, with the flashbacks. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind having having some um, little flashbacks here and there. Okay. Like I'd like to. This is maybe not exactly the same thing, but kind of. Um, I'd like to have one episode that just kind of um, heavily, heavily features on Victoria. Okay. Um, which seems kind of obvious. She's the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that she's she's so accomplished, she's so intelligent, and she kind of has, in a way, maybe ADD. So to kind of see these flashes of, um, like if you think of the brain as like a computer, you know, having uh, a browser open, you know, she has like eight to twelve tabs open at minimum, you know, at any given time. I that I relate to that. That's me. <laughs> so I mean, it would be cool just for someone to, uh, and of course, I was doing uh, research on. Uh, fractal memory um, structuring and things like that because um, I was watching the documentary on um, Alan Moore but anyhow <laughs> <laughs> so like just just for someone to say you know like just shows a, a scene of her having dialogue someone says like one or two words and that triggers something in her because it means something to her because she has this lengthy history and she has this deep wealth of knowledge um, and just kind of see where, where just like one or two words, where that all leads to. And then she comes back to reality. And, you know, very little time has passed, if any. Very cool. Um, and now you said, Victoria, there's a little bit of you in there. Are any of these other characters coming from real people you know? A little bit. A little bit. Um, there's a lot of amalgamation. I mean, as a writer, as I'm sure you can you can attest to. As, uh, I love and, that word. I use that word all the time. <laughs> Uh, any character that you write, any situation that you write, you're drawing on yourself. You're drawing on your own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, certainly every, every character in there is, uh, very much, very much me. Um, Ghoul Servant is, he, his relationship with Victoria is representative of an unhealthy relationship I used to have, um, with a lady friend. Mm. And, that he's he's willing to do anything and be taken advantage of, and yet begrudging about it, but also happy about it. And it's kind of a it's kind of a really interesting mix, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Mm-hmm. But it also plays very well into the the mythology of it, you know, where a a, a vampire takes on, yeah. you know, creates a ghoul, which becomes their servant. Yep. And they don't, you know, they're they're compelled to be the servant. They don't necessarily want to be. But he also seems to find a way to pleasure himself. Exactly. You know, there's there's always loopholes. So, so yeah. And there's certainly other people from uh, from high school and college who uh, who I've drawn on you know, for for experience and inspiration. Well, I gotta tell you, folks, Forever Young, I was totally entertained, and all I saw was the rough cut. I can't wait to see when it's complete. Um, this is the part of the show, Paul, where you need to tell people how to find you and support you and Forever Young. Absolutely. Yeah, we have um, no shortage of social media. We are on Facebook, uh, 
were a little bit difficult to find there because there's a lot of uh, Forever Young stuff, mm. uh, different different titles and whatnot. But if you search for Forever Young Show or if you just put in Facebook.com slash Forever Young Show, uh, that'll bring you right to the page. We're doing updates there as much as we can. And uh, we also have a website, uh, foreveryoungshow.com, uh, which is still under development but uh, looking good. And otherwise, uh, it people can can get in touch and find us through uh, my production company, uh, O Penny Pictures, which is um, the production company that this was produced under, uh, and that is opennypictures.com. We also have a Facebook page too, and that's way easier to find. <laughs> okay, I, I you didn't say Twitter though, did you? I did not. We do actually have. I, I'm sorry. I I personally am not into Twitter. I have a lot of difficulty with it, so I have someone else handling it, so I always forget about it. Um, but we do have uh, an Openy Pictures Twitter account. Uh, I also have a personal uh, Twitter account, at Nanzik, which is, uh, you can totally follow me and I'll follow you back, but uh, I'm generally not too active on it. Well, um, do you have any relationship with Carrie Schoberg? Yeah, I do, actually. She's been on the show. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, uh, she casted me in her movie, The Chop, with, uh, you know, Jack Davis, um, directing oh, yeah. it. Yeah, he's directing The Chop. I'm actually, yeah, I get to be a thug in that, in that film. And, um, I, it comes out this year. I, so you know Carrie, that's awesome. She's, yeah, she was in here, t- uh, talking about that, and, um, actually I have to have them back on pretty soon. And, uh, th- oh god, what were we talking about? Femme Fatales in, in film. We had her, Christine Starkey. Um, we, uh, do you know Christine Starkey? Um, I've never met her, but I'm connected with her on, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, very active. She's a great actress. But Carrie's, she's fantastic too. I can't believe you know her. So, um, yeah, I actually I was, um, I stunt doubled for Dozer in the chop. No way. Yeah. So we probably weren't in the same set. Um, they, we were filming in an apartment there where, uh, the hero walks in and uh, has a little gunplay with some thugs. I don't think you were there that day. And if you no, were, I wasn't for that one. Okay, okay. I don't want to give too much away there, but um, oh, that's cool. So we're in the same movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small world. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. That's so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I, actually, I need to mention a couple of things here myself. I, I'm at Fairly Dark on Twitter. Uh, you can get all our shows at um, Radio. I'm sorry. I should actually say www. FairlyDarkProductions.com. All the episodes of Kettle Whistle Radio are there. My books are there. Dwelling in the Dark is doing well right now. I've got more coming out this year. I'll let you know more about it. But right now, things are on hold while this, um, My Uncle John is a Zombie is coming out. That's John Russo's new film. And I got to be in that one too. Um, that's, that's a, it's a comedy horror based around the Night of the Living Dead world that John Russo created with Romero. But this is just John Russo's project. Have you heard about this one yet? I have actually, yeah. I've uh, I've got a couple other people who have been involved in that. I uh, bet. I'm trying to think of who though. I'll bet I met but there, them. There were several, yeah. Yeah, we had oh, a great time. Yeah, the, well, the reason I say uh, my stuff's on hold right now, my the the producer is Gary Vincent, who um, he's in charge of my, my publishing at BurningBulbPublishing.com. So a uh, few things there. I, I just uh, I'm working on should be coming out this year, but mostly I'm excited about my uncle John as a zombie and being a part of that, which was. Just so much fun. I can't say anything else more about it, but uh, until they start releasing stuff. But that's so funny. Small world, man. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we met, and uh, we got to do this again. Yeah, definitely. All right. Anything else you want to say in closing? No. I mean, I, I just want to give a big big shout-out. Thank you to all the wonderful cast and crew who uh, who really 
I mean, I, I've been on a lot of film sets and, uh, I've never seen one run as smoothly as this one, That's, which wow. I'd, I'd like to think I can take full credit for, but really it was, you know, everyone felt inspired and valued and, uh, you know, was passionate and excited for the work. So yeah. That's great. Thank you to all the cast and crew. (laughs) That's great to hear. That's really, it's cool to hear that. that I've noticed that. I I can see the work that goes into these things and I don't envy the production. I I really, I don't envy the the producers, the the amount of work going into it. I can see the stress, but when you say something like that, it gives me more hope. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks again, folks, for listening to pedal, pedal, pedal whistle radio. Again, we were up late. I'm changing the name of the show now. Um, all right. So you were listening to Paul. Nandzik, okay? And I said it right that time. And um, we're going to be looking forward to Forever Young. And, uh, uh, oh, wait, did we talk release date? We did not. Um, yeah, so real quick, the we're, we're still in post-production. Uh, I think the visual of, I, well, we've been interviewing, actually. I think I got an email in, uh, talking about the visual effects may have been just completed. Wow, cool. Um, which is fantastic. I, I can't wait. And then, uh, from there it's, you know, we're doing the audio remixing and all that. And, um, and then the musical scoring. And then we'll be done. So I'm hoping, hoping we can have, uh, a premiere in March. All right. If awesome. not sooner. So. We'll have to have you back on. You have to come in the studio this time. For sure. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. And, uh, well, again, uh, thanks again, Paul. Uh, you have a good day, and everybody have a good night. And we'll talk to you soon. You'll be hearing more from Paul in the future. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! 
On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.